Thanks for checking out this message from Radiant Life Church. Grab your Bible, a pad of paper, and a pen. Let's dive in. We're going to jump back into Mark here. Not that we ever left, but we're going to get into Mark chapter 7. And I'm going to ask you guys to stand uh, because what we're going to do is, you can go ahead and stand right now. I'm going to read the scripture Um, and this is like, this is old school right here. Like this is giving reverence to God and his word. And so what we're going to do right now is just, we're going to bite off the first 23 verses and then, then you can sit down and then we'll kind of unpack some of the scripture there. All right. Verse one, the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him. They observed that some of his disciples were eating bread with unclean, that is unwashed hands. And then John Mark, he kind of explains it here a little bit. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, keeping the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they have washed. And there are many other customs they have received and keep, like the washing of cups, pitchers, kettles, and dining couches. So the Pharisees and the scribes ask him, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating bread with ceremonially unclean hands? He answered them, Isaiah prophesies correctly about you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honor me with their lips, but their hearts is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrine human commands. Abandoning the command of God, you hold on to human tradition. He also said to them, you have a fine way of invalidating God's command in order to set up your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is Corbin, we'll unpack that in a second, that is a offering devoted to God. You no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. You nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many other similar things. Summoning the crowd again, he told them, listen to me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Now, you'll notice that it skips to verse 17. Some manuscripts uh, don't have verse 16, which would say, if anyone has ears to hear, let him listen. Verse 17, when he went into the house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, are you also lacking in understanding? Do you realize that nothing going into a person from the outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into the heart, but into the stomach and is eliminated. Thus, he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of people's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual moralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. This is the word of God. You can take a seat. 
So God's word describes the Bible as like a sword and that it's extremely sharp, that it can cut through bone and marrow. And I think Jesus's words are very piercing here today. But I think there's a gift that Jesus has. I don't know if it's considered a gift or not. But he has this ability to see, see through any facade that a human being puts on. It's almost like he has x-ray vision, right? Like we, he can see to the core of a person's heart. He can see to their mind and their thought process. He can see those hidden motives. And I think the scripture that we're gonna unpack today, Jesus is, he's piercing into the Pharisees and the scribes and he's looking at the core of their heart. And so I'm just gonna grab a couple of little nuggets. We'll do a little bit of Bible nerding and we'll just kind of see what Holy Spirit goes uh, from there. And so I wanna go back to verse six. It says, he answered them, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites. Now, if you go into the original language, it means to, to pretend to be something that one is not, uh, play a role, or act a part. Now, what we have to understand in first century world, they, they would have uh, plays, theater, and the actors would put on masks to pretend to be whatever character that they're doing. And Jesus is calling out what I would call the religious elite of saying, hey, look, you might be doing some religious acts, but you're just kind of wearing a mask. You're just pretending to play this role. In fact, he gets very specific. We talked about that word Corbin. Now, this word Corbin is, it was uh, oral tradition where you could dedicate something to God or to the temple. Now, this could be your possession. This could be your finances, but Jesus, he gets very specific. He talks about this idea of honoring your, your mother and your father, which if you've grown up in the church world, like, like you know that's in the, the top 10, right? Like we're supposed to honor our father and our mother. But what was happening, and I think Jesus was calling this out, is someone might uh, not take care of their parents, even though maybe they have a spare room off their house. But they've dedicated that to the Lord, and so they can't, they're not gonna bring their parent in, to, they're, they're not gonna take care of them. Like, like in Jewish culture, we're called to respect and to honor. And I think respect in the Jewish culture would be that we wouldn't talk bad about our parents, we wouldn't contradict what they're saying, uh, we would respect what they're saying. Honor is loving on them and actually providing for them. But some people were kind of skirt-tailing around the oral law to benefit themselves. And Jesus was totally just calling this out. In fact, I want to encourage you this week, reread this passage and somehow mark every time the word traditions gets brought up. It's brought up several times in this short passage. And Jesus was calling that out. But we, we've got to kind of zoom the, the lens out a little bit. We have to understand, like, where did this oral law, where did all of this come from? See, God chose the Hebrew people, the Israelites. 
And he wanted to set them apart from all of humanity in the world. And in fact, he gave guidelines and guardrails, laws or rules to help them be set apart from the rest of the world. See, what I love about in our backyard here is wall school and there's a playground. What's around the playground? A fence. That's to keep the kids safe, right? Like, hey, kids, go nuts, right? Go nuts inside here. Like, go, go crazy, climb all the way to the top and freak out your mom. Like, just go crazy on the jungle gym stuff, right? But the fence keeps them from danger of going into the parking lot and getting hit by a car or even going out to the road. See, God's word does the same thing. Like, he gives us a fence. He gives us boundaries to keep us safe. And so uh, the rules, the 613 rules that the Hebrew had to follow, which you can, you can look that up in Leviticus if you're looking for a good read on that. <laughs> but the Pharisees and the scribes, they were trying to help kind of fill in some gaps or some kind of unknowns of what to do. Like, here's kind of an example maybe for today's culture. Like, we, I talked about offering, right? Like, well, Scripture's not real clear. It doesn't give specifics about, like, is that your net or your gross income? Right? But there's traditions that would kind of point you in a direction with that. Same thing with the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a biggie with the Jewish people. And, like, there were certain rules to stop, to Shabbat, on Sabbath. And so like you could only travel so far, you couldn't work, but what was considered work. And so they had this oral tradition and Jesus was calling that out. Like, I think the intentions were good, but it turned into this huge legalistic thing. And they started elevating tradition above God's law that he already gave us. And he was he was calling that out. So you can research and Google Corbin in the Bible and you can nerd out a lot more, but that's basically some sort of possession, something that you have that you're declaring that you're giving that to God or to the temple. Like that would be part of like what we would call the church. Because Jesus, he gets to the core of it, right? He says the things that come out of a person are de what defile him. So we can do our religious acts, we can do our good things, and those are the things that are on the outside, but it's the things that come out of our heart. I'm kind of almost envisioning a spring, like if we're a spring of water that's coming out, what kind of water is coming out of this spring? And then, you know, Jesus, he, he calls out sin, but I, I like the way that William Barclay describes it. He says, every outward act of sin is pre predicated by an inward act of choice. I don't know that we get up and we just intentionally want to sin. Maybe we do. There was probably a time in my life I, wouldn't, I knew that this was sin and I didn't give a rip and I'm going to do it anyways. There was a time in my life that that was the posture of my heart. And I think that's what Jesus was getting at was the posture of our heart. So what comes out of that? And then Jesus, he goes right after it. He gives this list of things. Evil thoughts. Now, I'm probably the only one that struggles with road rage. 
oh, was that a confession by the church family? (laughs) This is a safe place. That's great. I'm not going to project this on you, road ragers. But I would be lying if I didn't think, well, what if I just gave him a little tap? I mean, the paint's already peeling on my bumper as it is. What's it going to matter? Like, I literally think I could do a pit maneuver right now. Like, I've seen it in the movies. I know I could do this right now. And I know that's silly, but at the same time, like, that's actually kind of messed up, right? Like, that I would think that. I think that is an evil thought. That's one that comes to my mind. And I'm sure there's other evil thoughts But maybe you've played out some things in your life. Sexual moralities. You know, if you're having sex and you're not married to your spouse, it falls into this. And I'm not condemning you. I'm not judging you. But there's clear things that that Jesus is calling out. And, And he's not just talking about sex within marriage. I mean, I don't think he was talking about pornography that's such an epic crisis in today's world, but that's a real thing. In fact, Sunday evenings is the highest usage of pornography. So we come to church service, we get our praise and worship on, and then we fall into temptation. Greed. Evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, man. I mean, I struggle with self-indulgence. Like, I, I, what the Holy Spirit has showed me in the last year is just how selfish I am. And like this whole self-indulgence thing, like, it's just one more cookie. It's just one more scoop of ice cream. It's just one more thing in the Amazon cart. I can just have one more drink. And like we just, we constantly consume these worldly things and I think we just, we we need to maybe set some of those things aside and we need to consume more of Holy Spirit in our life, a spirit-filled life. Like I'm just as much of a sinner as anybody else in this room, if not the chief sinner that's here. I struggle with these things as well. Pride. Like, I mean, if, if we're sitting here and and we're self-reflecting, we're kind of looking into our life, and if Holy Spirit's prompting something, I'm good. Man, I wish so-and-so was hearing this message right now. That could be pride. I mean, yeah, we want our friends to hear the good word, right? We want to hear the gospel message, we, we want redemption and healing to happen. We do want our friends and family to hear that. But if that's our constant lens is, oh, they need to hear, they need to hear, they need to hear. But then we don't check our own hearts in that. But we'll, we, we can get next to the water cooler or at the coffee shop and we'll just talk bad about this person and all the poor choices that they're making all the time. Like, like we shouldn't slander people like that. And so Jesus, like, he just, he calls things out. He says, these are evil things. They're sin 
that's inside of us. That is what defiles us. It doesn't matter what kind of mask, what kind of facade that we put on. But the problem is, I think for some of us, and this has been my journey, is self-deception. We'll minimize that extra drink or what, like whatever the thing is that you wrestle with. We all have things that we wrestle with. There's not a perfect person in this room. We all have our things that we wrestle with, but sometimes we minimize it or we don't tell ourselves the truth. Like in AA, like one of the first steps that you have to admit that you're an alcoholic. Like we have to admit that we have a sin bent. And self-deception kind of masks that and Jesus calls that out. Now I love the wisdom uh, of the theologian Dallas Willard. He talks about self-deception like this. He says, self-deception is a major part of what defeats spiritual formation in Christ. In self-deception, the individual or the group refuses to acknowledge factors in their life of which they are dimly conscious or even know to be the case, but are unprepared to deal with, to openly admit and take steps to change. So please hear my heart, like, I'm not condemning you. If anything, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, I'm just trying to call you back to repentance. Let's, let's not be deceived by the sin that's in our life, and let's turn back towards God. This spiritual formation means our lives beginning to be formed more like Jesus. Like when people see us, they're beginning to see more of Jesus in our life. So I just wanna ask you some self-reflective questions. And the first is, am I truly being honest with myself and with God? Worship team, you can make your way up. Some of you brought notepads. Maybe you got your notes app. I wanna encourage you, write this question down. Now, I had someone come up to me in between the services and their encouragement was what works for them is write this on a sticky note and put it on your mirror. So that way you'll continue to ask this question. I don't know that this is a one and done. Shouldn't we always be honest with God and ourselves each and every day? And so maybe that's for someone in here. Maybe you're a sticky note person. And you need to be reminded, like, am I being honest, Lord? Holy Spirit, is there something in my life right now that I'm not being honest with? Here's another question to consider. Does my life look differently from the world around me? See, remember, these, this law or these traditions, this was for God's people to be set apart so that way it would be a witness to the rest of the world. So when we decide to follow Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus, does our life look differently than the folks that are all around us? And let me be clear, it's not for us to, to be holier than thou, that we're gonna look down on people. We're, we're not gonna look down on those sinners because we're all sinners. But does our life look differently than those around us? 
So let me unpack this a little bit more. Here's two questions. Do my traditions make others feel dirty or unfit to come to Jesus? The way that you live, your, your practices, your disciplines that you do, the things that you try to incorporate into your life to make your life look and feel more like Jesus, does that make other people feel dirty or unfit? Maybe another way to ask it is, does it hinder people from stepping into a relationship with Jesus? Like we don't wanna be mean, but at the same time, we, we wanna bring truth, right? So is this, anything in our life, is that hindering a, perf, a person from stepping into a relationship with Jesus? Because our life should look different from the rest of the world. Now, Paul, who wrote most of our New Testament, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, is what he would say. And he understood the traditions, the oral law, that they were elevating above God's law. And Jesus came in to correct these things. And Paul, he understood this. In fact, towards the end of his letter to the church in Rome, he he put this. He said, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, as disciples of Jesus, we should live a spirit-filled life. Jesus and his blood is the only thing that makes us righteous. The only thing that makes us right before God is putting our faith and trust into him and that his innocent blood was shed for us to be in a right relationship with a holy, holy, holy God. But here's the thing, life does throw us lemons sometimes. I've been pretty transparent about that the last few weeks, but you can still have peace in the middle of all of that. You can still have God's shalom in your life. In spite of those circumstances, you can still have joy, the joy of your salvation. When you, if you, even if you live 80, 90 years on this side of eternity, that's just a drop in the ocean of time. Eternity is so beyond that. And our joy should be found in that. The hope to come that Jesus is going to return. And we do all of that in the Holy Spirit. So today is more of a teaching of reflection, thought grenades for Holy Spirit to speak to you. Now, when I was looking at the songs that were selected for this week, I purposely wanted No Longer Slaves to be the last, last song. And it says, no longer a slave to fear. And maybe some of you are fearful about whatever that sin is in your life. If you ask for forgiveness, you are forgiven. If you've put your faith and trust into Jesus, you are a daughter. You are a son of the King of Kings. But I'm also, I want you to hear this. You are not a slave to that sin, that thing that's in your life. Whatever Holy Spirit's been kind of prompting to you right now, you're not a slave to that. The old is gone, the new is here. We are liberated from those old things. 
Let's just remove the mask, the scales from our eyes. Let's be honest with ourselves and let's be honest with God. And let's turn back to him because he's got nothing but good things for us, an abundant life in him. So I hope that you hear my encouragement. I'm not condemning you. I'm not judging you. I want us to be a a group of people who turn back towards God and live a spirit-filled life. And the people around us should see that in our life. God is good. Rachel shared how good his goodness is, right? You have a story about how good God has been in your life. You've been liberated. But it's time to call out that thing in your life. It's time to take that mask off. And it's time to be real with God because you're not a slave to that anymore. So during this song, I want to encourage you. Take whatever posture you need to take. If you need to get on your knees, get on your knees. If you need to come down and kneel at the altars, please do so. Our prayer partners are going to be in the corners if you need to be prayed for. But I want to encourage you, take whatever posture you need to in this moment. Turn back towards God in this moment. So Holy Spirit, we need you right now. We came here to have an encounter with you. So would you minister to us right where we're at in this moment, right now? There's not another thing going on in this world except for us and you right now. So would you speak to our hearts and our minds? And Lord, if you're prompting us right now, may we be a people who are obedient to you. Holy Spirit, would your glory fall into this place. May we sense your presence in a tangible way. Not because of the band, not because of me, but because you're opening up our eyes to to your glory and to your presence. So Holy Spirit, you are oh so welcomed in this place. Would you do what only you can do? Jesus, we give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Radiant Life Church. To get to know us better, check out theradiantlife.church. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.